Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. There were four of us, four of my friends, we were all standing on each corner of an intersection as this walk, uh, as this parade went by, and we were able then to look and see exactly um, the same event, but recording different things about the event. Well, that's why oftentimes you'll find in the Gospels, you'll find perhaps one that will mention two men in Gadara, uh, one will only mention one. It's because it's to whom really Jesus had to do with. It doesn't mean they're in contradiction. It simply means that one just focuses on one thing more than the other. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to study your word today. And we would ask you now that as we read these words, that Jesus, we would see your compassion and your love to people. God, that we would endeavor to be like you. And Father, oftentimes as we live our lives, we see how we can become self-centered and self-focused. And then as we look at the life of Jesus, we see how he gave of himself. And so, Jesus, we ask you now to help us be more like you. Father, we ask you to bless us now. Holy Spirit, keep us in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 10 of the book of Mark, we continue. Actually, remember that Jesus was speaking about being a servant. If you want to be great, learn to be a slave of all. Now, in a very self-centered, self-seeking society, friends, that doesn't sound like uh, maybe anything that seems too appealing, does it? Because really, it's all about us. We think about that oftentimes that, well, if there's something to be done, it's going to be done for me. That's what we want because we think that, well, if there's anything in priority world, it's me first. Well, we find that Jesus said that uh, if you want to be great in God's kingdom... Be the servant of all. Now, friends, uh, uh, that's usually an inconvenience of our lifestyles. Unfortunately, it's going to be pretty hard to serve others and serve yourself. There's only so much time in a day, and there's only so many uh, different resources that we have. But God says, as you serve others, God then will serve you. And I think that's kind of a neat thing, to be served by God. The Bible tells us that God looks for people in which he can pour his blessings through and bless other people. And you can be one of those people that you might say are a channel for the power of God to go through. Now, we find uh, the uh, occultic world always looks for channelers and things like that. I believe that's the counterfeit. The Bible talks about those in which God pours his blessings through to bless other people. And so, if you want to be great, be a servant. Jesus is speaking here concerning in Mark chapter 10, about being that servant. And so over and over again, he exemplifies it or proves what he says. Now, a lot of people say things, but they never prove what they say. Jesus here proves it. Verse 46, as we continue on in our study, they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho, and oh, by the way, real quick, if you went up to the book of Luke chapter 18, this is where in Jericho, Jesus met Zacchaeus. Now, I remember Zacchaeus. He is a little short tax collector guy that wore brightly colored clothes, and he, was heard, he heard that Jesus was coming to town, and he wanted to know which way he went. Well, because he was a short stature, he couldn't see over the crowds. The Bible says that he climbed up into a tree, and as he's up in the tree, 
Jesus is walking along and sees this little guy hanging out of a tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I must eat dinner at your house tonight. Now, I like that. Jesus invites himself to dinner. We like to eat here. We have Thanksgiving dinner here. We have, I don't know, probably somewhere between 80 and 100 people here. We like to eat too. But Jesus liked to eat, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I must eat dinner at your house tonight. You know, Zacchaeus, interestingly enough, was touched by the power of God. There in this town of Jericho, Jesus goes into this town, he ministers, and he's leaving. Now he tells us that he's leaving Jericho. As he went out, he and his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was along the road begging. Now, um, that's what usually blind people did in those days. There wasn't a lot for them to do. And so he was begging. And when he had heard that Jesus was uh, Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, for he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Yeah, Jesus is walking by, and you know he probably heard that Jesus could do miracles. And so he began to cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the crowd said, you shut up. And you know what? He didn't listen to him. Now, because he didn't listen to the crowds, he was eventually healed. Friends, I just want to tell you, if you're following the uh, tens of the crowds, be careful. Because the crowds can be, and usually are, wrong. The crowds told this blind man to shut up. And this blind man cried out all the more. Well, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. uh, And they brought the blind man to Jesus saying, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling for you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. Now, verse 50 is interesting because it says throwing aside his garment. You know, a blind person, if you, now this is usually like the outer coat. And, you know, maybe he thought, maybe I might be on my way to Jesus and I might trip over this thing. And so he got rid of it. I don't know what it is sometimes, and you read these little verses in the Bible, that putting aside his coat, he got up and followed, went after Jesus. I'll tell you, he sat aside whatever might hinder him from getting to Jesus quicker. Whatever might have hindered him from not completely getting there. It says that he went there and Jesus said to him. Now, now friends, this is interesting to me. This next verse is one of those verses, the things that make you go, hmm. Notice. And Jesus answered and said to the blind man, What do you want me to do for you? Well, duh. Now, now I, I, Jesus isn't playing games with him. I think that Jesus here is making a very pointed statement. And that is simply this. What do you want God to do for you? Sometimes things that may seem to be obvious, maybe sometimes friends aren't. And I believe oftentimes when we ask God for something, let me share this with you, it's that when it happens, you know who to thank. A lot of times we we think about things of of our blessings and things that are hoped for, things not yet that we have. And and, um, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, this guy's blind, no doubt, by just simply looking at him. You could probably see the recesses in his eyes that were no longer places where eyes were. And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, or that is to say, good one or teacher, that I may receive my sight. 
And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. No longer, by the way, having to be led by somebody. Now seeing perfectly and being able now to guide himself. He knew who did that. Listen, friends, good things don't just happen. Those things that come from God are a direct blessing of God. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? Of course, Jesus knew the man wanted his sight. But I I believe, friends, there's something to be said that when we ask God for something, and God does it, we don't forget to say thank you. We remember the story that Jesus gave about the ten lepers. And then how he healed all of them, but only one came back and fell down on his knees and, and said thank you. Jesus said, where are the other nine? It isn't that Jesus didn't know where the other nine were. But he was making a, a statement saying, weren't they thankful as well? Jesus noticed. I, I believe again, friends, as we look at this, if we're not thankful for what we have, we're not going to be thankful for what we get. And God has a way in his divine providence of saying, hey, listen, what do you want me to do for you? And when I do it for you, Will you say thank you? You know, I, I believe that a lot of times that, uh, I've shared this before, but especially this time of the year, and sometimes there's different flus and viruses that go around. And I don't know how many of you have ever prayed for your food. No, Lord, thank you for the food in Jesus' name. We all dive in. But have you ever been really sick, like had the stomach flu? And you say, oh, Lord, thank you for this food, and just help me keep it down. You know, we, we, we begin to realize that our need dictates the level of inspiration, you might say, behind what we ask God for. This man was blind. He couldn't see. And the crowds told him to shut up. And when the, Jesus stopped for him, he threw his coat off. He ran up. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see again. And Jesus healed him. Friends, I want to tell you something. We have a God of miracles that we serve. And God is in the miracle working business. And he is in meeting our needs. Not not of our wants, but he is in meeting our needs. And friends, if there's a day that you get through this life where you don't need something, you're only fooling yourself. We are creatures of need by design. God made us that way so that we would be reliant upon a God who can serve and bless us. Jesus had just got done speaking concerning how God will serve and bless us. In turn, we turn and serve and bless others. If we're not thankful for those things which God has done for us, we then won't turn and fill somebody else's need that we see. Because oftentimes it's in the response and seeing what they need in their lives that we reach out and bless them. Now friends, I'll tell you something. Every one of us knows how good it feels to be blessed. Amen? You know, when you're getting, you know, like you're trying to get your house done, you got something coming on, or you hear a big storm's coming, and, and somebody gets wind of it that, that you're trying to get your roof on, and there's a big storm coming, and the Weather Channel says, you know, giant winds, and you know, all these kinds of things, and you're going, oh, I'm not going to get the roof on in time, and a bunch of people show up at your house and finish, you put, help you put your roof on your house, and you go, oh, wow, you know how good that feels. You know, it's like the, 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 the rescue squad gets there just in the nick of time. That's the way God works, friends. And and God has a way of reaching out and blessing you. But there's nothing wrong with asking God and telling God what you need. The Bible says in James, The fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. 
Now, I, I think that's a truth because, again, God doesn't, God's not weighted down or burdened by us requesting him for things. Oh, God, I know you're like really busy with, you know, it's a Middle East thing going on right now. And so I won't bother you right now. Have you ever had that attitude? I have. That God's too busy to hear me. Friends, listen, Jesus had just got done telling the disciples that he was going to go to Jerusalem and he was going to die for the sins of the world. Now that's a pretty monumentous commission by his Father in heaven. But yet Jesus still had time to stop and heal a blind man. On the road of life that we all are on, and you're all going somewhere, we all are. No one's static, no one's remaining the same. We're either going towards God or we're going away from God. Every person is going somewhere. That's what the Bible talks about. That's what repentance is. Repentance is where we say, okay, God, I am on the wrong road. (laughs) Repentance means I'm going to get off this road going the wrong direction, and I'm going to get on the right road following you. And as we follow God, we begin to see the power of God in our lives. Friends, a lot of people say, well, does God still do miracles like he did in the Bible? My answer is, of course. Well, then how come I don't see him? Because God is still doing them. But most of us never live close enough to the edge where we have to see the miracle working power of God. If you listen to missionaries oftentimes when they're in these different situations, sometimes it's life or death situations, uh, they see the miracle working power of God. Sometimes it is only when you serve others, friends, that you really see the power of God work in your life. You don't know how he got it done, he got it done. Uh, You know, you look at this sometimes in the Bible and you wonder, well... These guys, though, were super spiritual. No, as I look at the Bible, I find there are people very much like you and me. People that mess up, blow it, goof up, all those kinds of things, and yet God in His love continues to pour His power and His love through people like you and me to bless other people. You know, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Now we know that there's only one who forgives sins, and that's Jesus' death on the cross. That's what forgives our sins. But what he's saying is this. Love covers a multitude of sins. What he's saying there is that as you expel your love upon somebody else, it shows and demonstrates a repentance in a person's heart that was not normally there. Friends, it is not by our own nature that we are giving, that we are loving. It's the way we are. We're selfish by nature. And it goes against really everything that we are. And friends, I see it over and over again. You know, when, when you first come to the Lord, and you might have noticed this, when you first come to Christ, you know God's forgiven your sins. You enjoy that thought of going to heaven and not having to pay for your sins throughout all of eternity in hell and rejection in, uh, of God. But as you start growing up in the Lord, and I think that uh, this can happen at any person's age in their life, whether perhaps they've been saved today or whether they've been saved for 20 years, there's a point in your life where you begin to mature in your relationship with God. And all of a sudden you begin to look at not so much of your actions, but the heart behind your actions. And I think this is kind of the the, the signature, you might say, of, of a person maturing in the Lord. It isn't so much what you're doing on the external, it's the heart behind. Because you can be doing, so to speak, religious things. But if it isn't done in the right reason, the right heart... It doesn't really profit anything. Jesus, uh, addressing a church in Revelation uh, chapter 2, the church at Ephesus, he says, he, says uh, he lists all these great things that they were doing. They were uh, helping people and all those things. But he said, but I have this against you. You've left your first love. Now, he didn't say, you're not doing anything anymore. He says, you've left your first love. They were still doing things, but there was no heart behind what they were doing any longer. 
They were just doing it, you might say, out of, out of a programmed ritual. Well, I've got to do this. I'll just do it. Eat your food. It's not because we care. It's like I heard one time, you know, it's like parents. And they have kids. The first kid comes along and, oh, are you eating your dinner? Oh, here, open wide, you know, and you're trying to feed the kid. And little kids are looking, eat. And you're trying to do it. No, oh, there's a little dirt right there. Let's wipe that dirt off there. And, you know, the first kid. And, 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 and you know, everything is a little portioned in the little Tupperwares and all that kind of stuff. By the time the eighth kid comes along, you pour it on the floor and say, come and get it. It's going to end up there anyway. We can still be feeding, we can still be doing things, but we can maybe not have the heart that we once had in our lives. And I, and I think that's something that the Holy Spirit has to continue to rejuvenate in us because it's not something, friends, that comes from ourselves. It's something that comes from God. You know, He, he is our strength. And just as Jesus healed this blind man, this blind man had no way in his own whereabouts, resources, whatever, to ever see again. But he went to Jesus and got his eyes back again. I see this as something, again, a couple of interesting parables. Had he listened to the crowd, he would have still been blind. Oh, shut up, they told him. Crowds are wrong. A lot of times we like to be in the in crowd because the in crowd is in. But the in crowd oftentimes can be wrong. I, I think it's always dangerous, moms and dads, when you encourage your children to be liked by everyone. Well, honey, now you do this and, and everybody will like you. Let me tell you something. If you're liked by everyone, there's something wrong. The world is in a lost, sinful condition. I'm so glad that God has called us out as a family, first of all, and second of all, individually, that we see the fallacy that's in the world. There's something, friends, that we look at as we look at this world. There's something that isn't quite right. You, you see it. People notice it. I, I think people really want to know what the solution is or the antidote is to it. But oftentimes it isn't until we're willing to lose our life will we find it. And it isn't until really we're willing to step back from the crowds and we say, Okay, Lord, I, I, I want to be different. I don't want to follow the way everybody else is going and what everybody else is saying. Because the world says to shut up. This man cried out all the louder. Until finally Jesus stopped. And Jesus then is the one that met his need. Friends, listen. I believe a lot of times people are just longing to be touched by Jesus. I do. I do. I think maybe in all the kooky weird stuff that everybody does, they're just simply looking for God to touch him and to heal him and restore him. You know, it feels good to when you lay your head down on your pillow at night to know that you're right with God. That doesn't mean you do everything right. Far be it from me. I ever do everything right. Don't do very much right. But I know Jesus has forgiven me. I know Jesus has forgiven you if you've asked Him. And that, friends, is what allows us to have the peace that passes understanding. It's not something we manufacture in ourselves. It's something that God does for us. This man was blind. He needed a touch from God. Friends, there's people around you tomorrow that are blind. Maybe not blind physically, but certainly blind spiritually. Those that really don't know what's going on. I often wonder, again, we look at this, uh, especially at Christmas time, and, and right now the great debate, shall we really say Merry Christmas? Is that wrong? 
I mean, we've been saying it for 2,000 years, but, you know, maybe it's wrong now. Well, you look at that and realize that we, we're in a society that's blind. And, and how frustrating it can be. Do you, do you realize that when you're blind, you do a lot of really dumb things? It's really possible if you're blind to put on one red sock and one blue sock. It's really possible to not have any of your clothes match. Friends, we oftentimes look at the world and we see their blindness. And we think, what a bunch of kooky weirdos. Kooky weirdos, yes, but very much blind. Who need the touch of God. Now, you know, they won't wear the wrong color socks if you say, hey, listen, I'm going to put a safety pin in this one, and I'm going to put no safety pin in that one. So whenever you feel the safety pin, you'll know that those socks all match. You'll know that that's the right color. See, sometimes you have to lead people. There's an old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but a pencil must be led. But we need to lead people in the world to Christ. And not be like the crowd that says, shut up. No, God's not going to help you. We need to be able to bring people to Christ and say, you know, Jesus is going to help you. Friends, always remember this. It isn't you. It's God. You say, but I get tired. I know. Bring him to God. Let him deal with him. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time. It's Time.